Welcome to Season 3 of In Search of Peace and Healing. I'm your host, Celia Boone. Hello again and welcome. You're listening to Celia Waller-Boone. And this is actually part two of My Death Interrupted. When we began, um, this was the episode. I thought it was going to be one episode. And so um, September is the National Suicide Prevention Month. And it's also the National Recovery Month. So, um, back to my story, um, because I did promise the rest of the story. I had, uh, I had checked into the hospital for an eating disorder where I was introduced to the 12 steps, which is a wonderful thing. The staff there had us go through and try to work the first five steps on our own, which um, I didn't really know how to do. And we were supposed to write, do some, you know, write up some stuff on the steps that we had done. And um, I wasn't sure that I was doing them right. And um, I didn't realize what I really needed was a sponsor who had gone through the steps with a sponsor of her own. And, um, so that part came later, but I was introduced to them and I was introduced to Emotions Anonymous. And for that, I'm very grateful. I also, in the hospital, found a friend and was completely honest with her, told her stuff that I had never told anybody else and she did the same, and it was a wonderful thing. And um, so um, when I left the hospital, I had been there 32 days. And um, while I had been in the hospital, my parents separated. They had been together, I don't know how many years, like 48 or some god-awful number I guess they were going to get a divorce, but they were just waiting for the kids to die. <laughs> That's pretty morose, but, um, or morbid, but you know, they just, they hated each other and it was a big war all the time. And, um, my mother attacked, my father retreated, my mother attacked, my father retreated. And I was trying to rescue dad from mom. So I had my own little sick part to play in the family dysfunction. So after I left the hospital, um, I went to live with my dad in an apartment and was able to finish college. Now, I I was doing better with my eating, but I was still drinking. And... After a while, as will happen, if you don't treat your addictions, um, continue to treat them, um, I'd gained more weight. Food was not enough. 
um, to anesthetize the feelings and the pain, even though the pain was not as bad as it had been. And I had done some things that I was afraid to do and see, and I saw how that really freed me from the fear of my mother finding out my secrets was just not to have any secrets from her. But I was still pretty angry at her. Pretty angry at her. Had a lot of resentment yet, and I didn't know how to get rid of it. So fast forward more years and, you know, I got jobs and moved for various cities to place to place and um, ended up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, in 1996, and then got a job that was really too technical for me. And they said, what we need are your accounting skills. We don't need your you to know technical computer skills. Well, they lied. <laughs> we'll teach you, they said. Well, they lied. But anyway, um, I didn't know enough technical stuff to really be able to do the job well. And so, you know, I was unhappy. And the more unhappy and depressed I got, the more weight I gained, the more I drank. And that was when I was drinking, started drinking every night because I couldn't sleep. I was so stressed out. So I would, you know, if I had a few drinks, it would help me fall asleep. And somewhere I crossed the line into where I couldn't just have a few drinks and or a couple drinks and stop. Once I started drinking, I couldn't stop until I passed out or went to sleep or whatever. And um, I didn't understand that when I was passing out that I was putting in myself into a coma from alcohol poisoning. But that's what was happening. In 2002, I lost that job. And I didn't mind at all not having to go to work there because I really hated it. But I was very resentful of them for stopping paying me paychecks. I, you know, I didn't get any paychecks and I they took away my health insurance. So I was really resentful about that. I would have been fine if they would have just kept on paying me to do nothing, sit at home, you know. But um, so what I did was... Um, I looked for work for about two weeks after they laid me off, had a job offer that I um, thought, you know, I, I knew I could do the work. And um, I think the starting salary was going to be about 50 grand. So it was going to be a little more than I was making. And, and so um, I wasn't able to take it, though because it would require 100% travel, and I was in such terrible shape, physically, medically. I weighed in the 400s and, you know, was getting to the place I was almost too fat to walk. Not quite, but, you know, I was getting there rapidly. And so I couldn't take that job, so I was like, oh, man. So... After a couple of weeks of looking for work, I got into bed and decided that the best plan for me was for me to eat and drink whatever I wanted 
and beg for God to let me die and that I would just like hopefully go to sleep and not wake up. I didn't want to commit suicide quickly because I was afraid of God and what he would do to me. So I guess what I did instead was I was on the suicide installment plan and um, just eating and drinking and um, it was just crying, eating, drinking, sleeping, crying, eating, drinking, sleeping, crying, eating, drinking. That was it. There were times I didn't even walk out the door of my apartment for a month at a time. And friends would call me up and say, let me take you to lunch. Oh, okay. And then the day would come and I would be, have worked myself up into a frenzy of stress and fear because I would think, I don't know if that restaurant has any armless chairs. What if I don't fit in the chairs? I'm going to be humiliated. So I would get extra drunk that night and be extra hungover the next day. And I'd call him in the morning. Oh, I'm sick. I can't go to lunch. Sorry. And after a while, you know, friends stopped calling, trying to get me to get out of the apartment, you know. And it wasn't their fault. I was just very, very sick and didn't know how sick. And it took a couple years, really. But finally I had a moment of clarity. Because I just wouldn't die. I couldn't die, I guess, you know. I thought my heart was going to get out or something, but I just couldn't die. And my legs had, muscles had atrophied because I had been in bed so long for two years without, you know, I get up and walk to the bathroom, but hell, I would have driven there if I could. So, um, you know, I hardly got any exercise at all. But in that moment of clarity, I realized that had I set out from childhood, to systematically screw up my life in every conceivable manner, I could not have done a better job than I did. But I had ruined my life and health accidentally, not on purpose. I didn't mean to. And I sure as hell didn't give my permission for that to happen. But it happened. And at that point, I was like, okay, I've got to get up and go for help. And so I did. And today, my life is so much, so much, so much better. If you have addiction problems, I urge you to find some help. Because recovery from addiction is full of gifts. And so we're going to be back in just a moment. We're going to take a short break and be right back. You're listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone. We'll return to this episode in just a moment. We invite you to visit our website, muchmoretosay.weebly.com. That's muchmore, 
the number two, say.weebly.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, we're back from our little break. And um, so um, before the break, I was telling you about getting out of bed and going for help. And um, I can tell you what I did, and it's worked wonders, miracles. First thing was I sought help in the rooms of recovery, 12-step help. And there are several groups that I actually went to meetings, and I got a couple sponsors and... Ended up with just one because it was a little confusing if sponsors were giving me kind of advice that, or not advice, but giving me suggestions that were, you know, kind of this way or that way, but not the same. So, so I settled with one sponsor and, um, worked through all 12 steps, worked through the 12 traditions. See, the 12 steps are to help us from killing ourselves and the 12 traditions are there to stop us from killing other people. <laughs> it's the best way that I can describe it. And yes, I got that from other people in the rooms. I have had weight loss surgery actually done in stages. So I've had weight loss surgery done twice because my weight did um, get very high. It was over 500 pounds. And when I hit that bottom with food, I had been sober for about 13 months. And that was a huge bottom for me too. And I had a huge bottom at 500 pounds. But um, I was like, okay, God, I got to do something about this. I can't eat myself to death. And so he arranged for me to have the help that I needed. I actually went to vocational rehabilitation in North Carolina and they helped me and were able to sponsor me for the surgeries that I had and have been phenomenal in helping me. Um, I, I thought, you know, I really would love to work in a, like a mental health facility and be like the business manager or something, you know, and I got, you know, I, I went to some mental health education classes and, um, got certified as a peer support specialist in the state of North Carolina and taught classes there, worked with peers and also was, um, promoted to business manager pretty quickly after I got there. So I was able to use my accounting skills and business management skills. And also, um, you know, I didn't have as many participants assigned to me for peer support as the other peer support specialists did because I was wearing other hats. But, you know, I was able to do a number of different things. So there was a variety to my work there. 
And I really found there that what I enjoyed was mental health education, teaching people how they themselves could enhance their mental mental wellness and also how they could help someone else if they had a friend or family member who was struggling with mental health issues, how they could be helpful with their loved one. And did that um, for a few years. Worked with with you know other nonprofits and um, have done you know a bunch of things. But my real calling is when I'm speaking, when I'm telling my story, when I'm helping others, teaching people, you know, ways to help them get um, just practical ways, even that they can get themselves feeling better when they're feeling very disturbed or upset. And so um, I try, I've shared many of those things on this podcast, In Search of Peace and Healing. That's what it's all about. And, um, oh, um, I was married when I was like 33 years old. And in... 2004 was divorced no wait excuse me 2004 we separated 2007 was divorced and in 2010 I met the man of my dreams and he is my current husband partner in crime producer um you know does the artwork does everything everything. He's a great musician. He's the maestro. And, um, so I'm, you know, happily married to my best friend. I just feel so fortunate and so blessed. So anyway, let me, um, I'm going to switch over and talk about some resources because if you or someone you know is struggling, um, I do want to you know, I don't want to leave without giving you resources. So the first one is NAMI, N-A-M-I. And um, you can go to their website, www.nami.org. That is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And they have all kinds of great information on there. Um, you can go to a great website that I have found is www.verywellmind.com. Um, and it has things like the best seven online anxiety support groups of 2020 and things like that. And, um, you know, if you, because I, you know, struggle both with depression and anxiety. So just looking up things, but, you know, Google depression support groups, virtual, or, you know, things like that. And you can find a lot of people and talking, finding somebody you can be honest with and talking, somebody who won't judge you. And you don't, you know, see if you can be non-judgmental toward them and talk. Find somebody who 
wants to feel better. And if you want to feel better and the other person or people do, you guys can get better together. If you don't have enough money for therapy, talk to peers, talk to other people and, and you know, make your own support. And you guys help each other, you know, with a strength-based and progress-leaning um, group. To We want to feel better. Um, you know, from the www.verywellmind.com, um, it has a something you can click on joining a chat room to help with depression, providing a safe place to seek support. Um, you know, there's just all kinds of information just from that one website. So, um, You know, I just want to make sure that you guys know how to how to get hold of some help. Um, and um, I'm going to leave you before we end. I'm going to leave you with a quote because one of the toxic things about my family of origin was there was so much perfectionism. And see, perfectionism, I have learned for me, is what I do when I'm trying to pretend I'm better than I really am. And so fundamentally, for me, it's very dishonest. And perfectionism was demanded in our family. You know, if you made three A's, well, next time make it straight A's in every class. You know, it's like when the best isn't good enough. You know, you'd almost get to the goal and then the goalposts are moved. Um, and so Brene Brown from the gift of Imperf- the gifts of imperfection has this quote. Understanding the difference between healthy striving and perfectionism is critical to laying down the shield and picking up your life. Research shows that perfectionism hampers success. In fact, it's often the path to depression, anxiety, addiction, and life paralysis. And I know for me, it certainly had, you know, a lot to do with my own pathology. And um, now to be sober for 16 years and to be... You know, I don't weigh in the 500s. I do weigh in the 200s. It's still, I'm still a work in progress. But, you know, there are always things that we can improve about ourselves. And the biggest room I'll ever enter is the room for improvement. Now, it's not perfection that I'm seeking. It's just progress. And that I can do. So, my friends, I hope that you have been helped, have learned something. And if someone you know needs help, you'll be able to pass these things along with them or point them to this podcast. So, you have been listening to Celia Waller-Boone in search of peace and healing. And as we leave today, I want you to know that I love you. 
I care about you. And I really hope that you are always looking for ways to improve your progress towards your goals because it's worth it. Let me tell you, when you reach those goals, it's amazing. Thank you. I love you. Be well. You've been listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone, a production of the Descant Music and Media Group. We invite you to visit our website, muchmoretosay.weebly.com. That's much more than number two, say.weebly.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our podcasts are hosted on Spreaker. We're also available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and most podcast directories. So like, comment, share, and join the conversation. Thanks for listening.